listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. This drives in a pull up three. Oh, drives. Dead high shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pot Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. Here, as always, with my co-host, Dayon. Take it away. What's good? I'm Dayon Dunlap. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. But also be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account. That's at Apollo H-O-U. As well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. We really appreciate it. And for this episode of Pot Time Jamma, we're going to focus on, obviously, of course, the two basketball teams that are undefeated in conference play as they open up their American Athletic Conference portions of the schedule. We'll start on the men's side, who on Saturday morning took on the Wichita State Shockers, and they were able to defeat Wichita State 76-66 to uh, behind another big performance from Josh Carlton, who finished with 22 points. 12 rebounds, and of those 12 rebounds, 10 were offensive rebounds, which is just an absurd number. Fabian White Jr. finished with 15 points. He also garnered three rebounds. Didn't play for about the last six minutes of that contest, uh, Kelvin Sampson said, after the game. It was due to an ankle injury. Didn't necessarily specify on the significance or the severity of that injury. So that's certainly going to be something to monitor. And, of course, Tajay Moore, he also added 17 points in Jamal Shedd rounded out with 10 points and seven assists day on uh, what are your takeaways from that game against Wichita state Houston now three, zero in American athletic conference play, obviously all three of those wins have come after Marcus Sasser um, season ended due to his um, season ending leg surgery that he had um, just a couple weeks ago, main takeaways from this big win against Wichita state on Saturday. Main takeaways was Houston defense, Houston dominant defense, the way they guard to get inside you defensively. It really, really stood out to me. And they they really look like a tough team, like Coach Sampson said after the game. They're not 3-0 with this new team or in conference play because of how good they are. It's because they're toughness. Their toughness really showed, and that's what stuck out to me was the toughness, the way they play really started with – their, um, their way they guard, their first point of attack, their defense. They guard you so hard and force it, make everything so tough. That that was the difference maker because um, Wichita State got some good guards with Travis Etienne. He's a really good guard, and they really made it tough for him. Yeah, for sure. Travis Etienne, a potential NBA prospect who honestly could have declared for the NBA draft last year and probably – would be on an NBA roster right now had he gone that route. But like you mentioned, I think that's really the the key and something that we mentioned af- um, after that Marcus Sasser announced he had been injured, that that's really you're starting to see that culture is something that for years uh, 
certainly since Houston has started to to get a lot more national spotlight, it's something that across the board, you always heard the players, you always heard Calvin Sampson, you always heard assistant coaches talk about culture, 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 culture. You're really getting to see what that is now, you know, and something that uh, many players, Fabian White a week ago after they beat uh, Temple in Philadelphia talked about, yeah, they're, they're losing, obviously, a big part of their scoring with Marcus Sasser, who, I mean, just by himself, that was 18 points. Jermon Mark, another 10. And they just kind of kept chugging along. They're obviously, like you mentioned, now this team, it, it's a different team. They're 3-0, but they found a new way to win. And it's really been through Josh Carlton, that front court, and Fabian White Jr. has been the two new kind of faces to this new iteration of the team. But like, you know ahead. what? You know what? It's not really like they're playing a different way because they will all they would let Josh touch it a lot. I mean, not a lot. They will let him touch it often. Now he's just touching out, touching it more and getting more and more opportunities. But they still playing the same way. It's still a lot of pick and roll with Jamal Shedd, letting him get downhill, break the defense. Still a lot of ball movement, kind of a lot of drip, um, a, a lot of give and go action. Dribble drive is what I'm thinking about. Dribble drive action. So it's still a, a lot of ball movement with their guards. And a couple of things that I saw that they 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 haven't done all season was post isolate Tajay Moore in the mid post area. They did it to start the game and they did it to start the second half, which is a call set. That's a call play that Coach Sampson drew up and called, and they executed well. Isolate him in the mid post, and with his athletic ability, he just able to kind of turn around and just make a play on that mid. Um, on that mid post area over the defender. And he was very poised. I was very impressed with Tajay Moore. He's very poised with the way he played. He didn't force anything. He plays really composed for him to be so athletic. It, it isn't sporadic at all. He isn't just every, all over the place in a bad way. Sometimes you can be all over the place in a bad way, but he's everywhere in a good way, impacting the game. Yeah. And uh, you look across the boards with, the Wichita State guards, the, the backcourt, Tyson Etienne, Dexter Dennis, they shot a individually. Etienne was four for 12 from the field. Dexter Dennis was four for 14. It's still that identity whenever a hot team is coming in. Well, not necessarily Wichita State being hot, but they come in, they have their strengths, and it's a rough day for those players regardless of that. They still have that culture. And honestly, it's impressive because of what Kevin Sampson said uh, right before this Wichita State game. Like, this is a team that, especially in the backcourt, they're an injury away from one of their guards to Kelvin Sampson said, having Ryan Elvin have to play 40 minutes a game. So they're still, they're pretty thin, but it doesn't matter who's on the court for Houston. They keep playing to who they are. And that's obviously is going to start at the defensive end. It's going to start in the offensive class. And I'm curious from, from your perspective, especially you mentioned Tajay Moore in the front court. They still, they're still playing like how they did, even when Marcus Sasser and they, when they were fully, fully healthy with Sasser and Mark. And what I mean by that, Kyler Edwards, again, Wichita, Wichita State struggled tremendously shooting the ball. He was one for 14, but he still made, he still had his fingerprints all over the game, whether it was getting rebounds, he finished with seven or creating for his teammates. He also had five assists. And Calvin yeah. Sasson himself uh, pointed out, he kind of shouted out Kyler Edwards and said, yeah, he didn't have a good shooting night, but he was still a positive for Houston while he was on the floor. 
Man, he sure was. And that was another thing that I was just waiting to talk about. I tweeted that during the game when I was watching it. He still affects the game in so many different ways, even when his shot isn't falling. And often you see players who can score and shoot like he can when a shot isn't falling, they kind of go into a rut or a slump and don't really just kind of play as hard in other areas. Normally their shots kind of create them energy to keep going and, and do other facets of the game, but not Kyler. He affects really every possession, especially on the defensive end. He really locked down Travis Etienne. You got to give Kyler Edwards a lot of credit because he put the cuffs on him. He, he brought that lockdown D, and he was in him defensively every time. But not only on the defensive end and his rebounding, he's a, a, a great with the ball in his hands as far as making plays as well. I think he's going to only take a next step when he's get out of this slump. As far as because the way he can shoot the ball, I, I'm not saying I'm considering the slump because he's a much better shooter to his For own sure. standards, I'm sure. Yeah. But once he's, his shot starts falling along with everything else he's bringing, I think this team is only going to take another step. And I'm going to say it now, I'm expecting them to have a long tournament run. They're going to sweep through the American. But when he only gets better and even continue to make more plays on the ball, because Jamal Shea is going to take another step as he gets more games under his belt, I really like this team. Yeah, fire take. You have um when when you mean sweep uh, the American, do you have them like literally running through conference? Yeah, I got them running through the conference. I, I I'm looking at that next couple of games. Tulane is going to be a tough game. I really like Tulane's guards. I talked about them a little bit. Um, UCF is going to be tough. They 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 had have some good players over there. I've seen them play a couple of games. Um, SMU, I, that that's one of the big matchups I can't wait to yeah. see as far as from a point guard perspective. Kendrick, Kendrick Davis, Davis Jamal Shad, yeah. that man, that matchup, I can't wait to see that. But um, I, I'm still looking at every team. Memphis, they got the talent, but they're, they're, they're young over there, and they still haven't really truly found their identity. And so we got the, they got the best coach, best culture. Uh, Josh Carlton is going to lead this team and have a deep tournament run, but he's going to be dominant like a number one pick that we saw in college a couple of um, years ago. And that's um, DeAndre Ayton. Mark my words. Big words. And real quickly, uh, a quick look around the conference. As of January 9th um, that we're recording this, Houston stands alone at the top of the American Athletic Conference. The only undefeated team left in the conference already only three conference games in for Houston but they're three and oh they said the top Memphis is two at three and one Tulane right there with them at three and one um Tulane has a head-to-head matchup over Memphis so actually Tulane would be two you got SMU at two and one and then everyone else kind of falls off Temple uh rounds out the top five at two and two so uh, certainly especially towards once you you get out of the those top four when you mention uh Memphis, of course, is always going to be a top Cincinnati who fell to Memphis on Sunday. Uh, a couple of these scrappy teams, SMU, um, certainly once you get towards the bottom of the American, uh, certainly not necessarily um, those high brand names when you come from um, when you consider a top of the college basketball landscape. But when you look at this Houston team and not, not to stray away too much, but when you look at this Houston team specifically, uh, one other point, one final point I want to make, Kyler Edwards doesn't shoot the ball well. So what does Ty J. Moore do? He picks up the slack. Eight for 11. Obviously, Josh Carlton continues to have the great outing, recent outings that he's been able to put together. Fabian White was up there. 
they're not relying on one guy. And I feel like they were never really ever relying on one guy. So even though they're losing Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark, who on any given night, they were the two most likely guys that they could get you, you know, 20 plus points each night, especially when yep. it comes to Marcus Sasser, but they were never necessarily, if they had, if, Marcus Ash specifically, if he had an off night, it was never, oh, Houston's dead. Uh, they're they're kind of screwed. It, right. It was still, it's someone else. They got to step up. And now it's still that mindset. It's just that now they 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 had know that they're not going to have Marcus Sasser for the rest of the season. Right. And you know where they're going to miss Marcus Sasser and Traymond Mark the most is when the games are close, which is going to be when they get to the tournament. Mm-hmm. And you need that opportunity where you go to your go-to player or your go-to scorer and you need a go-to bucket because when it comes down to it, like those crunch moments, normally you don't throw the ball in the post. You give right. it to a guard, and now it's going to be most likely in Jamal Shedd's hands and let him kind of, whether it be dribble, whatever the play, whatever he may need, I think it's going to be in his hands or even Kyler because he can, he's going to get it going. He's going to be, he's proven that he can play point guard. He even said he played point guard at Texas Tech all his time there. So being on the ball and giving um, Jamal Shed some rest, it, it, it's normal to him. And so, but that's where they're going to miss Marcus Saracen and Jamal Mark the most because in those moments, you give the ball to any one of them and you're confident that they can win a matchup one on one. And whether it's a three or a two or whatever, I feel very confident in Jamal Shed doing the same thing. But I, I, I'm not not as far as a three-point shot when comparing him to Smart Assassin in those last second moments. But I, I trust him. Uh, that's where they're going to miss him the most. Yeah, for sure. And once again, Fabian White's uh, ankle injury is certainly going to be something to monitor. Hopefully it's nothing long-term. He potentially could be one of those players. I mean, last um, on Saturday against Wichita State, he kind of showed his versatility. He's really grown overall, especially last season. He, he kind of showed a lot like a pro. Exactly. He showed that that he had extended his range up all the way to the three point line oh. this season. He's been a lot more um, sharper with that jump shot. But against Wichita State, he showed that he could put it on the floor. He can play make for himself. He can create shots for yeah, others. He can go after the dribble. Yep. And that's that's going to be huge if he can consistently do that down the stretch. That's going to do it for our first segment coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma. We'll t- switch over to the women's basketball team who, similar to the men's, they are also undefeated in American Athletic Conference play. They improved to 2-0 and in conference play after defeating Tulsa on Saturday afternoon at Fertitta Center. We'll talk more about that game coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma covering your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. You continue on here on Pod Slamma Jamma, still talking ball. Now we're going to talk women's, like Indy just said. And the women's, they got they got a big win against Tulsa, who's having um, the best year ever in program history as far as the start of the season. Although they were down one of their best players, they're still a really good team. I think they have a really good coach. And I think when she comes back, they're going to prove. And I think it's going to be some parity in this conference. But really sticking with Houston, the way that they played, I was very impressed. I was on the call with Matt Peterson. And Houston, they scored 33 points and held Tulsa to seven in that second quarter. And what and they really, really was dominant, starting with their defense. 
Yeah, for sure. I think especially that second quarter was absurd where they scored them. I believe it was 33 to, to nine or something along those lines were really. And Layla Blair was kind of the, the lead catalyst for them in that game where really she caught fire and she kind of sparked the the run for them in that second quarter. Uh, a couple of things that, that kind of stood out to me from that game. And Dan, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Um, it seems like this women's basketball team, when when they're hitting on all cylinders, they're a tough team to beat. But occasionally they'll go on stretches where not it's kind of lack days, not lack of days ago, but they have stretches where they they have a lot of mistakes where there'd be turnovers, settling for for difficult jumpers, and that allows other teams to to make their runs. They saw a little bit, I think, that first quarter early against Tulsa, you saw that where they really struggled, and then a little bit towards the end of the second half, uh, Tulsa was able to make a little run that kind of got them back in the game is that something that uh, has been a consistent problem with this team or what have you seen for them in terms of overall trying to really put together an entire game uh this season yeah that's been that's been one thing of consistent as far because they will have those runs but another time another thing to kind of basketball is a game of runs team are, mm-hmm. other teams are going to go on runs but when you want to be a dominant team a next level team you watch Games like South Carolina on this day, you already said what they were recording. They played today, and they got when they get up early on the team, they put them away. Often yeah. they don't let them climb back. And when when you want to be in the upper echelon of it, I think that's their next step is to continue to put teams away and not have those spells where sometimes they miss shots, sometimes they just turn the ball over, and it really comes down to executing in the half-court set. That's what teams, especially in their next game against UCF, this is a, a big matchup against UCF in which they haven't beat UCF in a while. And so if they want to beat UCF, they're going to play a zone team. They're going to force everything on the outside. And so you have they have to execute in the half-court set. That's from the main thing and turnovers that keep them from allowing teams to get back in it. Yeah, that's going to be a big matchup Tuesday, January 11th at UCF on ESPN+. Plus. Real quickly, uh, kind of looking around the American on the women's side, UCF, they stand right there atop the American Athletic Conference. Both Houston and UCF are 2-0. South Florida right there at third at 1-0, along with SMU and Temple to round out the top five all Five of those teams are undefeated in conference. South Florida, SMU, and Temple are all 1-0 in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, that point you made in terms of you look at UCF, you look at South Florida as something that Ron Huey has said on our show. He said it in various other shows that that's really the next step for this Houston program is to kind of insert yourself in, or for Houston to insert themselves into that mix at top of the American Athletic Conference, be able to beat both of those schools, especially like you mentioned, UCF, who they they got swept last season. They really haven't been able to get over the hump with them. And going back to that game against Tulsa on Saturday, I, I just want to read to you the quarter breakdowns in terms of field goal percentage. So first quarter, they shot, Houston shot 28% from the field. Second quarter, that was the phenomenal, an absurd, almost 74% from the field. Third quarter, they fall to 18%. And then in the fourth quarter, they brought that back up to 50%. Like you mentioned, basketball is going to be a game of runs. There's going to be stretches when the other team kind of gets back in the mid, they'll make their run. But when you look at that disparity, I think it, it, it's pretty significant how it, it's, it goes from either they're, they're kind of real ice cold to they go to their shooting real hot. And I think what they need to do is kind of find that balance and figure out a consistent level of play. Now I found this interesting stat that you actually, came out on the ESPN plus broadcast, which was, I believe this Houston team is 
6-0 and when they score 70 or more points. And I remember you brought this up in an earlier episode where this Houston team, they really want to push the pace. They want to get up. I believe that you said that Ron Hughes aims for them to get up about 80 shots a game or 80 possessions a game. And that that's something that, like you mentioned, if they can get up and down the floor, they can put up points. They've certainly shown that their defense is at a level where they can hold teams around that 60-point, 50-point level and they can get up to run, they're going to be in a good spot. Now, the question is, can they do that against those upper echelon teams? So far in non-conference, they really weren't able to, and now they're going to have really their first big test since they played Baylor in UCF. Right, they have it. And the first time that we've seen it, and they was able to do it in 16, it was against Florida State. And they Mm -hmm. kind of started their win streak. And so with the way they've been playing, the way that Layla Bear has been playing particularly her she's still turning the ball over a little bit but as a team they've got their turnovers down they that's been the main thing they they aren't hurting themselves but particularly with her she's actually shooting a lot more threes because coach Shuey actually told me and my um matt p matt my partner matt peterson who i called the games with on espn plus that um he actually wanted her to start shooting more threes and that was the game before florida state and she actually has done that, and her percentage has gone up because she's shooting more, and she's making more because she's a really good shooter. But what her three-point shot does for her is it opens up her drive game, which allows her to get inside and then collapse the defense and make the right play as far as passing to the open person. And I, for me watching, I've seen every single one of her games for her career so far. And so her next step is – making the game easier for her teammates. Well, still, because she's going to be at the top of the scouting report on every team that she's facing. The scouting report is going to be to, to stop her. And um, and so with, with that being said, she still has to be aggressive to score because the team needs it. And it's, all, it's just a thin line between scoring and being too aggressive. It's just make the right plays that present themselves because oftentimes she'll beat a person, they'll come off and take a charge when she'll have a, a person to the left or, or right of her where she could just make the, the next pass and they'll have an open shot. And so when she does that, and I think her and Tierra Young could be the best backcourt duo in the American Conference. Um, Shaneke at USF, and they have other guards, whether it's Malzahn, um, or Pinson or as good UCF with diamond battles. And, um, but I think the best duo can be Houston. They need Tierra Young to continue to score as well. Cause those are two players who in those moments, like I talked about with Marcus and Tremont, when the shot clock is going down or the, or the game clock is going down and you need a bucket, you can give it to either one of them and they can make it play for themselves and for those teammates. Mm-hmm. Layla Blair against Tulsa, she finished with 23 points, seven rebounds. Like you mentioned, Tierra Young added in 14 of her own points and also had nine rebounds. So combined, they scored 37 of Houston's 80 points. So that's a, a big chunk of your offense there. Uh, real quickly, before we we wrap up the segment, um, put you in a spot a little bit, but obviously the next step that Hughes said, they want to be competitive against UCF. What specifically will you be looking for in Tuesday's matchup when they go up against the Knights? Or what should be their main kind of key or focus? Play fast and play aggressive. Um, 
UCF wants to slow the game down. They're going to press a little bit, but their press is really to disrupt your flow to get into our, get into the half court. They know they want to run time with their press to get. And when you get into the half court set, they want you to have like under twenty seconds to execute. So I'm going to be looking if they can play it fast in transition and just create those opportunities to where they don't have to run a set, play in transition, just move the ball, and then create one on one opportunities. It's going to be tough because UCF is going to play a zone. They play a three-two matchup zone. It's going to be hard, but they can create those opportunities. We get those high ball screens or just different opportunities, and she can stretch the defense. So they're going to have opportunities to make three-point shots, and that's what they're going to do. But defensively, they're going to face two tough posts. UCF is one of the only few teams that play two low post scores. South Carolina does it as well, but UCF plays not like a stretch four who can make three-point shots like Bria Patterson and, and Fabian White, for example. They have two low post scores who primarily play inside, so they're going to have to play good low post defense and not turn the ball over. That's the main thing, not turn the ball over. Play fast. I like what the talent that they have. I think they be able to win because they're going to be able to defend UCF, especially on the perimeter. They don't have any guards who really – it's just lights out. They have good guards. They play hard to play well, like I said, but they don't have any that, – that's just prolific scores. They have, a, they have a really good system where they play inside outs. That's some of the things I'm going to be looking for. And I think if they get a lead, I think they have to sustain it. And one of the stats you talked about early is which they must do is score points. When they play fast and they make and, and they score a high number of points over 70, they're a different team. UCF wants the game in the, in the lower 50 because they want to slow it down. So which team can impose their will and play with the tempo and the pace that they want to play with, I think will come out on top. For sure. So once again, that'll be Tuesday, January 6th on ESPN. Plus five o'clock central standard time or central time. I was actually, yeah, it is central standard time because we are in a standard time as of now, but that's going to do it for this segment. So coming right up on Pod Simon Jamma for our final segment, we'll talk more about Josh Carlton specifically on the men's side. Like we mentioned, he's been put together a couple of great games to start American athletic conference play. We'll talk about him potentially being the, American Athletic Conference Player of the Year, coming right up on Potsdam Ajama, covering your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we're back here for our final segment of Pod Slime Jamma covering your UH Athletics. And we're going to get right into it. Josh Carlton has been on a tear the last four games, especially the past two. Um, real quickly, we'll, we'll go into the past four overall, where he's averaged 20 points a game, 8.5 rebounds. Like we mentioned, he's coming off the 22-point, 12-rebound performance again, Wichita State. Dayon, let's talk about it in terms of overall could you see Carlton getting into that conversation for American Athletic Conference Player of the Year? Right now, he's the favorite. I mean, without a doubt, he's on the best team in the American. The way he's produced throughout these first couple games, he is the favorite. He's the best center in the American Athletic Conference. I know uh, Jalen Durant at Memphis will be a high draft pick, and, and the way he plays, he's going to be a great NBA player. But as far as right now, Josh Carlton, the way he can score on a low post, his decision-making – 
the way he can command a double team, his free throw shooting is getting better. And I'm going to say it right now, he's going to have a dominant seed the rest of this season and put up numbers like number one all draft pick on DeAndre A did. And that year at Arizona, he averaged 20 and 11. And you said that Josh Collins averaged 20 and eight over these last four games. He's going to continue that pace. And I think he's going to average 20 points. So those rebounds are going to go up to, I believe, to double digits to 10. The last matchup, he had 10, if I'm not mistaken, offensive rebounds. And so he's going to be dominant. I think he's going to lead this team to a deep tournament run. And him and Fabian Wright really, really like a, a pro system pro pro post he's a stretch four who can play low low post and josh call and can really dominate so i think they're going to have the floor spread and josh is really going to be the catalyst that's going to help houston to have a deep run yeah for sure and you mentioned you look at some of the other candidates potentially in american outside of conference you mentioned memphis Jalen Dern. he's put together a good season you know getting into the preseason everybody the, the kind of talk of the town in the american outside of conference was imani bates and he hasn't really been able to put together whether it be injury whether it be issues in memphis exactly it's, it's yeah. one of those players i mean he was expected to have be one and done jump into the nba draft be a, a honestly a top five pick in the in the upcoming nba draft and it's just hasn't been able to click together for Memphis overall. Um, Houston just played Wichita State, Tyson Etienne, who um, was co-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year last season with Houston's Quentin Grimes. He, he's kind of struggled at coming back to Wichita State. Uh, really kind of similar for the Shockers. They really haven't been able to, to put it all together so far, especially on offense. Um, something that we saw against Houston that occasionally they'll go on spurts where they just can't really score. And a lot of iso ball our reliant offense and it's not necessarily just at the end there's a couple of other players that only have Dexter Dennis they haven't been able to find together so honestly I would agree with your point especially with games played so far in the American Athletic Conference Josh Carlton has certainly put himself up in that conversation he's number one and I agree with you uh 20 points eight and a half rebounds and dominant he had a 30 point performance in the conference opener against Temple the other day um honestly what might be his uh biggest competition could potentially be his own teammate in Fabian White, who he's also stepped up his play since the injury to Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark. But um, is there any other concerns? Really, and we have a clip that we'll play momentarily on Josh Carlton talking about kind of picking up the slack since Marcus Sasser went down. But I guess if you'd have to nitpick about something, it'd really have to be some of the turnovers that he's committed. Yeah. especially against Wichita State. He, he had five, yeah. and it's something that he pointed out post-game, which we're actually going to share that audio, which um, right now this is Josh Carlton speaking to reporters following the game uh, against Wichita State. You know, Marcus going out, you know, that's a lot of points you had to replace along with Tremont. So just trying to find ways to score. Um, coach is emphasizing getting me. And I just think uh, I need to improve my decision making. Um, I have five turnovers. So I really want to cut down on that. We'll work on that. Yeah. It's just, you know, when to, when to move the ball in traffic, when to, you know, dagger out offensive rebounds and keeping the ball um, secure. So just, if coach is going to trust me to, uh, to throw the ball in, I have to make the right decision. But, Once again, that was Houston forward slash center Josh Carlton right there. Uh, I found it interesting. He, he brought it up himself. He mentioned he has to cut down on turnovers and really be more of a playmaker out of the post. Immediately, you hear Kelvin Sampson say, oh, we'll work on that. 
But uh, Dan, your thoughts there, we both kind of mentioned it, right? Really, if you have to nitpick that, that's kind of the biggest thing that he has to clean up. Yeah, that's the biggest thing he has to clean up. And he has the best coach in NCAA men's basketball right now, and Coach Sampson, and sitting right beside him, like you said, oh, we'll work on that. And you got to believe Grant Senior, who's played, uh, has a ton of experience. He's going to make the proper adjustments. And, he, and he's going to now start seeing double teams. And, and now they're going to break down what, what teams are going to do because he's going to move up on the scouting report as far as teams are going to focus on trying to stop him. And so they're going to see focus more, okay, you Double team's going to come this way. This is the action we're going to run. Or Faye, that's why I said him and Faye being compliment each other so well. So I wouldn't be surprised if Fabian continued to play well and, and then set himself into those conference player of the year because he's had a good stretch as well. And the way he can shoot the basketball and just kind of play off of Josh, I think both of them can really, really put Houston in the conversation. And they're going to move up in the rankings, and I think they should. What's team C? that they are still a good team. They still have that culture and dominant coach. I expect them to move up into the top 10 and just continue to win, win the conference play. And I think Josh Carlton is going to win conference player of the year. I know Kendrick Davis is in that conversation as well, but I'm expecting Josh or Fabian, one of those two, but I'm going with Josh. Big Josh is going to be dominant. He's going to be the player of the year in the conference. Yeah, real quickly, he had 30 against South Florida, not not Temple, but um... – yeah, especially with the resume he's put together, it's kind of hard to argue. And, and really what you mentioned that point, I mean, coming off beating Wichita State, beating South Florida, beating, I guess, Temple wouldn't count because it was um, last weekend. But certainly with, with what we saw in the shakeup in the top 25, Houston's going to jump into that top 10 uh, during Monday's poll. And it just goes to show really it kind of shows what Kelvin Sampson has established, that culture. We mentioned it before where the players I mentioned it, the player is kind of like it's it's kind of in their head already. It's kind of, for the lack of a better term, brainwashed because they all say it. you ask a question, whether it's coaches, assistant coaches, players. They all say culture, 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 and you're really getting to see that. And it, like we mentioned, Josh Carlton has stepped up big, and it's something that even before Marcus Sasser, Tremont Mark went down, that you saw that Houston was featuring him. It's something that Calvin Sampson said in the past where uh, certainly in Houston, he's never had a tall, seven-foot big man that, that they can go oh, into the post yeah. that, that actually can is a – threat in the post he can score he can i mean there's oftentimes he catches it and uh, it doesn't matter he has three people swarming up he just shoots right over him and that's something that he hasn't been able to have um while during his tenure in houston but i'd agree and really it's gonna it's gonna be a good opportunity uh, down the stretch you look at the conference schedule who they still have to play they play tulsa next saturday so much needed rest for the houston team who's really they've been banged up uh the entire season that's been the story of the season so far injuries 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 you mentioned fabian white um that's gonna be something they're gonna have to track he kind of injured his ankle against wichita state um still not sure how um severe that injury might be hopefully of course it's not too severe but you look at down the stretch so they play Tulsa next Saturday they play South Florida again after Tita Center East Carolina UCF Tulane to me those four games that's that's continuing stretch for him to be able to put together that resume we just mentioned oh. South Florida again um who they played in Tampa he put 30 points now they play him here for Tita Center uh certainly the the Bulls are going to be looking to contain him he's going to be a player to watch and I'll, I'll be interesting to see how he adjusts now that team see okay Houston's going to want to play through Josh Conter going to want to play through Fabian White how he adjusts and how Houston adjusts but certainly I agree he's right now as of now January 9th 
He is the number one player in the American Athletic Conference. And we mentioned it. Kevin Thompson himself said it. Once Marcus Sasser went down, he was excited. He's a coach. He loves the challenge. It's going to be a new challenge for him because even whether it be fans or national uh, reporters, national uh, broadcasters, they said, oh, they lost Marcus Sasser. They lost Ramon Mark. Houston's dead in the water. Um, it's the year of someone else to win the American Athletic Conference. And so far, that hasn't been the case. As of now, Houston's the only left team left standing in the American Athletic Conference that's undefeated. And, Dayan, I'll let you say the final word, anything whether regarding Kevin Sampson or Josh Carlton uh, and what really the stretch will be for Houston. I think the stretch is going to be a strong stretch. Uh, another player who, if you look at early in the season, kind of Coach Sampson kind of separating the two early when they had Marcus and Jermon down the season without. And early on in the season, once Jamal Shea was inserted to the starting starting lineup, we saw them take that next step. And with him still being healthy and at the helm, I think his role and his leadership is only going to step up another notch. And I, I expect him to take another step. And he's going to be in consideration probably the most improved player. And he's going to start getting some national consideration as well before. I think with the, with, with the way that he's going to play and the way he's going to compliment it, because the ball is going to be in his hands a lot to make those decisions. And all that pick and roll action, Josh diving to the, to the hoop, and that's – they, they execute that really well. And so I think he's going to play well. And then Ramon Walker, I mean, Ramon Walker and Kyla Edwards, both of them are going to be able to space the floor, particularly Kyla Edwards. He's struggling shooting, but he still affects the game in so many different ways, rebounding and assists. And once his shot starts falling, it's only going to spread that floor even more for Big Josh and, and Fabian as well. So I expect the Hugans continue to win, move up into the top 10, and eventually probably into the top five because I don't see them losing anytime soon. I think they're going to run through the American Conference. Yeah, and certainly if the season ended today, I to be honest, I think, and this is not going to happen just because of, you know, how it always goes, but I'd put Jamal Shedd, Fabian White, uh, Kyler Edwards and Josh Carlton on the all-conference first team if the season ended today. But obviously, of course, that won't happen. But thank you once again for listening to us on the Pod Slam and Jamma podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and we, we greatly appreciate support. Stay tuned for the both of us. We have big things planned. Um, so be sure to follow us on Twitter. Follow me personally on Twitter. Like I said, at Ayanis underscore five. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You know, like Andy said, be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter. That's Dayon Dunlap, D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. But also be sure to follow the official Apollo account. That's Apollo H-O-U for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports not found anywhere else. And as always, man, go Cougs. <laughs>